Hey guys, if you can think about how you found this podcast, maybe it's on Instagram or TikTok, maybe someone shared it with you. I don't run ads for the show or have sponsorships, so the only way this grows is through word of mouth. If this was valuable for you in any way, my only ask is if you could share this with someone who you think would help their investing journey or business. Thanks a lot, and let's get to the episode. Welcome back to SDR for the Best. I'm your host, Michael Chang. It's my pleasure to welcome Jamie Lane to the show today. Jamie, thank you for spending time with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Michael. Jamie is a Senior Vice President and Chief Economist at AirDNA, my go-to platform for data. So I'm really, really excited about this conversation. We're going to dig into the details on what makes AirDNA different and great so that for folks that use it or thinking about using it, you really understand what happens behind the scenes so you have confidence in the product. Before we start, I always ask my question. Your host, what's a memorable guest story that comes to mind? First thought, best thought. Yeah. First thought is I hosted this woman from Germany. Uh, she was at my place. It was when I was hosting in a private room in my house. And I was taking a trip out to Oktoberfest and didn't have lodging. Remembered she was from Munich. Reached out, asked if she knew of anywhere I could stay. <laughs> and she actually was moving apartments and had a whole empty apartment in Munich the weekend I was coming that she set up for me a free place for the entire weekend during Oktoberfest and being an awesome experience and like really need to like, I got her, I was able to share my spot with her and she was able to share that great spot with me. Oh man, you got a free, you got a free spot to stay last minute in Munich during Oktoberfest. Yeah. And it's the the ethos of, of the home sharing thing. It actually really is. Right? Hey, I share my home, you share my home, we can experience different places. That's really neat, man. That's really cool. I love that story. You have, not only do you work at RDNA kind of full time and have a big role there, but you also have short-term rentals, correct? Growing up, I was very lucky where my great-grandfather bought a spot up in Maine and built a home on the coast there back in like the 1920s. Oh, wow. uh, this house has been in the family for going on 100 years now, and we share it now with the extended family. So there's probably like 100 family members now that I'll share it like in this like big trust. And when my parents retired, they wanted to buy a house near there. So we didn't have the money to go out and buy another house on the coast, but they wanted a house they could use during the summer. So we bought a house about five minutes away near the coast, but not like no ocean views. They started hosting in their house. They had an upstairs apartment and then really loved it. And we decided to go out and buy a few more. So they ended up getting a spot down the street, literally a two minute walk from awesome. their house that was an old converted schoolhouse that had four units in it, as well as a retail space. Today, we run those as four or three long or three short term rentals, one long term rental. And then my mom's built out an art gallery in the retail space. That's so cool. There. So it's like a whole sort of family thing. And we run it from May to October, sort of peak season up in Maine. Acadia National Park. Oh, wow. That's really neat. I never knew about Arcadia, actually. And then uh, I have this little kid's book for my daughter. It has all the national parks. And I was like, we're flipping through that. And it's oh, Arcadia. And it's close by. We should go visit it. That's really cool. So coastal spot in Maine. Are you guys like a the Bush family or something? Like next to the Bush <laughs> compound in kind of Bunkport? No, I'm not, <laughs> not quite like that. But it, it's further up the coast. It's And we actually rent out the family house in, on Airbnb and Verbo too. And we've been doing that for 30, 40 years. Oh, my God. Really? Oh, okay. 
So we take about six weeks where the family can use it. And then the rest of the summer, we rent it out. And renting it out covers the expense for the property. And it has allowed it to continue to be in the family for all these years where the money it makes as a rental sort of sustains it as a property. That's so cool. That's so cool. You really like going back to the basics now. Like get the home share with the woman from Munich and then having renting it out on Airbnb and, or on, on Airbnb Verbo to be able to keep it in the family. I'm sure it's hard, like 100 people. How do you divide the responsibilities financially, operationally? But if you can make money from it, sorry, we've yeah. Got, we've got family committees. It's yeah. my mom and I do the rental for the property. I help them price it. Like it's, I'm, it's funny. I, I was on one of the family committee meetings and like offering to help run the pricing. They're like, what gives you confidence <laughs> that you think you can price this thing? I was like, do you guys know what I do for a living? And no, I'm like. That's the perfect segue. That, that's actually really funny. Like you're like probably the, you're like one of two people that are like the best you in the world to do this that's right. really funny so they're lucky to have you <laughs> I, I need you on my i need i need you on my family pricing committee but it's a perfect segue let's talk about your role at air dna i've been following i followed you for a long time on twitter i really enjoyed the content i'm actually really this is when i first started a podcast you were like third name on my list of people that i wanted to have on so i mean you're like this is like a proud personal proud moment for me to have you on the show because your your content's excellent but Enough about me giving you flowering language. Tell us about what you do at, at RDNA. At As you mentioned at the start, I'm SVP of Analytics and Chief Economist. So my job is to make sense of the data that we're producing on the overall industry and give our clients, investors, really anyone with an interest in the industry, just a good sense of what's happening. We do that through written content, video content, podcasts. We do tons of meetings with clients to help them understand how they use the data within their own business. And then we've actually been creating products within the research team of we find of new needs within the data set and try to morph the data and create uh, different products to meet those needs for people. That's really cool. For those that don't follow Jamie on Twitter, how they recommend it if you are interested in short term, uh, it's a wealth of, of, of great content. Let's talk about the data. Right. I, I'm a big fan of something that you guys just recently published. So this was just recorded end of Jan 2024. You guys put out a big report on your outlook for 24. Maybe talk a little bit about that. It's really easy to find on internet. Just search, search for the report, but maybe give us a quick summary of summary of the findings. I'm sure you, you were, you had a big part in publishing the RT, the article. Yeah. And maybe I'll step back of, so before I joined AirDNA, I spent 10 years as a economist covering the hotel industry. And I was at CBR, which is world's largest commercial real estate company. And I was head of forecasting analytics for CBRE for forecasting all commercial real estate, but specialized in hotels. And we found that forecasts as a forward view of what's going to happen in the industry, given sort of current expectations of the economy. So do we expect expansion, construction, what's going on in home values, what's going on in consumer spending, all these factors that are going on in the economy and boil that down to an outlook of what we, for back then, what we thought would happen in the hotel industry. And I wanted to bring that to the short-term rental industry. So when I joined AirDNA back in 2020, the goal was to start producing regular outlook reports to really give the industry confidence in what's gonna be happening in the years and months ahead 
so that they can better plan and react to the current environment. So we launched the first one in 2021. That was the highs. And if you go back, you can go back and read that first one. And we were talking about, we're going to see two consecutive years of occupancy declines, and it's going to be pretty steep. And then fast forward two years, we've seen two consecutive years of occupancy declines that have been pretty impactful to the overall industry. But going forward, so now the outlook for 2024, we do expect to, the year to be more, I'm really the first one of equilibrium, where there's been a lot of disequilibrium over the past four years of supply dropping, demand surging, supply coming back, growing faster than demand. And now we very much expect demand and supply growth to be roughly in line over the next sort of 12 to 18 months. So that's a lot to unpack, right? But <laughs> I think that's, no, that's great. No, no, I, you know, I love nerding out in the numbers and the data. I would say like a big part of our success in the industry so far is we've been able to parse the data in a way that's been some actual insights, not to say that we've done everything right, but I think we at least have a framework how we look at the data and it's helped us well, it, it's treated us well. But I just want to pull, so I want to pull out, I just want, just one key point from what you said, and we'll talk about what's happened last from 21, 20, 2024, your ex, the expectation is if we, if the economy grows and it's you know, 3.1% in 2023, if it grows like a two, 3% nominal rate, like we'll see the supply even out, the supply and demand growth even out. I think you projected 4.9% rev par growth in 24. Did uh, I one, think that right? 1. 1.9. 1.9, so 1.9. 1.9%. So better than the 4.9%. It was 4.9% drop, right? In 23, and now it's reversing out. So we're, we're hopefully getting out of the, the other side of that now. I mean, 2% is meaningful on a rev par basis. That's really meaningful. So let's just rewind to COVID, right? Like COVID happened, everything shut down, travel shut down, the world was on hold. And then when it opened up back up, we had to work from home. We had all the, we had the pandemic uh, stimulus. We had all these things. Let's talk, I just want to go through it very quickly. 21, we saw the surge in demand, right? Surge in demand because of everyone had the ability to travel and the money to travel. And the supply lagged. It didn't have enough time to catch up with this huge demand. So we had big increase in ADRs in pricing. And then the last, then, then 22 and 23, that's even out. Is that the right way to think about it? Or how would you frame that? Yeah, I, th I think the thing that's maybe misunderstood in terms of the supply-demand imbalance that happened in 2021 was the major piece of it was that supply dropped by 20% in 2020. So yes, demand surged back, and but it essentially got back to pre-COVID levels in 2020. Mm. It's not like demand was surging where there was like all these people traveling that had never traveled before. And we're going to see this big reversion back in terms of demand, like all these trips happened that wouldn't have otherwise happened. And then people are going to start cutting back on travel. That's not what was happening. That was not what was ever going to happen. Like we saw a recovery in travel in 2021. We saw more people maybe choosing short-term rentals over hotels than any other time in history. And then throughout 2020, rest of 2021 into 2022, we saw very much expansion in overall listings available for short-term rentals and people traveling and continuing to travel in, in short-term rentals. 2022 was very much an expansion year in terms of supply up to five. And that essentially got us back to pre-COVID levels of overall supply. And then 2023 was a year of continued growth and we still saw 15% growth in overall supply, The but demand only grew by about 
which led to a pretty steep occupancy decline down about 5% for the year. And then that supply growth and demand, it wasn't, it's not, I think one thing that people get misled is like, we're not misled, but the nuance of it is like, it's not evenly distributed, right? It's not like all the nights are in one place and all the supply growth in one place, all the demand growth in one place. So maybe you could peel it back a little bit. Like where was most of the supply? And let's talk about supply. Like yep. where was most of the supply, that 20% decline in COVID? So it sounds like what you're saying is supply dropped a ton, demand recovered, demand recovered, but it really only, we got a lot of the ADR growth because the supply went down 20% and it's caught up now in 2020 and it overshot in 23, which is why we saw the red part declines. And now, so that supply is going to even out. Plus you have probably more demand growth. And when you say demand growth, do you, I think we just want to be clear. We're talking about short-term rentals, right? Like we're talking about this travel, not like an overall hotel spend, not overall travel spend. Yeah. When I talk about demand, it's uh, overall night stayed in a short rental in that period. Okay. And how do you like, where do you get that? Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say on the supply side in 2020, it was really across the board that we saw the decline, but it was really two different reasons. One in coastal mountain sort of destination markets, a whole, a lot of the supply disappeared because people that had second homes all of a sudden wanted to use those second homes and brought it out of the rental pool. You look at a lot of the major cities though, where that was Airbnb big presence was in all these major markets. It was a lot of people just getting out, converting the units to long-term rentals or other use cases because demand had essentially disappeared. So that when you look at the differing trends, like occupancy really surged in the coastal and mountain markets because, and the supply disappeared and demand came back really strong. You look at the urban areas, like the fly has disappeared, the demand's still not back. Demand's still not back to 2019 levels in these urban areas. So there's been a long recovery still to this day in urban areas that has led to a, a slower return of supply in those areas. Yeah. Where and the sort of supply surge that happened in 2022, 2023 was primarily in the coastal mountain, small city, rural areas where demand had just been so great during the pandemic. Yeah. And this is where we talk about the unevenness of that, right? So we're like, just for we're in Philadelphia and again, every market's a little different, but we saw that supply decline dramatically in 2020. Right. We had a lot of big operators were there. They stay out for it and some of the others, they ceased business. And we saw a trem- when the travel came back, there was in the hotel, the things are hotels were closed too. Yep. And they had, the, they had all the COVID, people forget that too. Like they had the COVID restrictions. So people didn't, people actually didn't really want to stay in hotels at that time because it just wasn't that same experience that they were used to. So they were much more open to Airbnbs. We had our best year in 22. 21 was great. 22 was even better. 23, we're, we're off a little bit from the year before, but I always say we're off from some pretty lofty levels. Yeah. So no one's complaining, but I want to hit back to, I want to hit back to that point where you talk about the unevenness of the recovery and the growth in supply. Like when we look at AirDNA, is there a way for us to tease that out? Or, or maybe said differently as an investor looking for a market to invest in, what is your best, what are some best practices to to identify some of these supply and demand imbalances. One, to avoid investing in locations with more supply and demand, and then obviously vice versa, to to lean into areas where uh, there's a need for supply. Yeah. One, and, and this is maybe an obvious one, is and the ability now to sort by occupancy. So with the relaunch of AirDNA back in last September, the old market minder tool, it always just you log in and it brings you into Santa Monica, right? Like a free market. I love Santa Monica. Yeah, yeah, I love Santa Monica. That, that, was a, that, was a, that was a big change for me logging in and I didn't see Santa Monica anymore. 
Yeah, but it was, that's where AirDNA was founded in the garage in Santa Monica. So it was a fun little Easter egg for people that Santa Monica was always the market that was free and, and where everyone got brought into. But in reality, like people really wanted to be able to compare markets, find the ne uh, next market to invest in. And we didn't have a great tool for doing that. So a lot of what customers would do, clients would do was just go around and click on different markets. Like we did have a pretty simple market comparison tool, but it was just looking at year over year changes. So my thought and our thoughts internally was we need to create a new way for market discovery. And that's what that pulls, that takes you into now is a sort of list view. So we have these, all these tiles of every city in the country that you go into. And then all those cities are now sortable and filterable. So you can sort by occupancy, by RDNA market grade. You can filter to markets that are just coastal, greater than 500 listings, less than a thousand listings. You can filter, and we show the main metrics, so occupancy, ADR, annual re revenue. And you can then go in and filter the data that sits behind those markets. So let's say I'm looking to invest in a three bedroom entire home property. And I want to see the ones with the, are the markets with the highest occupancy that meet that criteria. And with a few clicks, I can then go in and do that, sort it, filter it to the types of markets that I'm interested in investing in and get a really dialed in list of what might be the best market for you to invest in today. Okay. So I got to ask you, so you opened yourself up to this. So I got to ask you the question now then. You're the head of data for Airdyne. You've gone to this. What are the, some of the best markets to invest in 2020, in 2024? It's funny you say that because we are launching our 2024 best places to invest report. I think it's next week okay. or the week after. So depending on when this goes out, it'll already be released or, or scheduled to the release. And since the results are under embargo, I can't say them right now, but there's some different markets in the rest a mix of small and mid-sized cities. And a big piece of that was, and the sort of traditional vacation rental markets, home values increased substantially. Like it, and they rocketed up 30, 40, 50, 60% from pre-COVID levels. Revenues have not kept up with that. Many of those areas, we're actually seeing pretty steep revenue declines right now. So when we calculate the best markets to invest, a lot of the areas that are showing up are ones that have done decent in terms of rep par performance, higher occupancy and ADRs. But the big piece of it is that the home values haven't okay. increased as much in those areas. And it's still relatively affordable to invest. Interesting. Okay. So it's more, it's more of a property value, the property valuation equation or affordability really versus the overall performance. That's really interesting. I think for folks listening, that, that's a really important nugget to, to tease out. Like the market still, depending on which market that you're looking at, I, I would term it where, like I'm into Smokies. I don't think we've hit the bottom yet for Smokies occupancy. I think there's there's still markets where you got to really pay attention to the supply growth and the occupancy numbers still going to continue to grow down or come down, especially with some of the demand numbers. So it really is a function of making sure you're underwriting these properties properly, making sure that you have your expenses properly dialed in, you have your financing costs dialed in because that revenue number is not going to say, that revenue number is unlikely to save you. You're not going to get this nice, COVID surprise of 21. And that's why I was like, it's been really hard. Like we've looked for a year and a half now to buy property, to expand. We have six and the Smokies. We want to keep buying. 
but I just we can't. I've been under contract for a few. One recently, I love the property. You would love it. It's like this eight bedroom. This top tier had a pool, had a hot tub, had all the right amenities, and it was only trading for. It was trading at five times revenue too. So it was like a really nice valuation too. But then there's some issues there. But it's there's those deals are so hard to find. I remember looking at deals that were thirty percent cash on cash and passing on them in 2020. <laughs> Obviously, should have bought every single one of them. But I, I guess like, how do you think about for an investor right now? Do you really just looking for stuff that just hasn't appreciated or like how how do they use your product to how do we use the product to better there's going to be the list but then everyone's going to have access to the list how do you like do your own homework yeah and that's why i said like that list is like really high level and i actually hate that list like (laughs) i have to do it like it's our most read article that we produce it is and why I don't like the list though is because every person's sort of investment strategy is different. Like everyone has a different type of market that they're investing in, a different price point that they're going after, in a different region that they're comfortable investing in. So like when you actually get down to it, like the list isn't that helpful for very many people. And it's, so that's where we wanted to recreate the product to allow people to essentially generate their own list. How can you, Michael, go in and essentially input your investment strategy and get the list of, that would be best for you to invest in. So uh, I'll, I'll tell you, our, I'll tell you ours. And now that you know we have this forum, I'll, I'll tell you ours. Like we go in and we'll identify like a market we like. So say like upstate New York, that's where we've been lucky now. And I'll, I'll regret saying that since I'm going to have a bunch of competition there now, but it's okay. <laughs> if you're listening to it, then consider that a, a freebie. Where AirDNA is most helpful is where I can go and look at the gross rep, where I can find the revenue, right? And, and that's the most important part. I go in, I look for the comps that look that are similar to what I'm looking at. I, look, I try to find the gross revenue and I try to make sure that that listing is a real listing, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes there's like dead listings or listings from like property management companies that just the numbers are completely off, right? So you have to really, that, that's, I think that's the real work actually is there's this fancy ux ui there right but what actually is the most helpful would be just to download everything and be able to just sort it and, and, and manipulate the numbers with real gross revenue and review count if i had those two things and i could figure it all out myself and that was the and one of the big features around the relaunch is like now instead of just proper top properties we give you the full list of every single property in our database based on whatever city region you've gone into you can then go in and filter and some of the new filters are you can filter by recruit view count. So I only want to find properties that show up on the list that have more than 20 reviews. In a 20 or in a four season market like upstate New York, like I want to find properties that are only available more than 270 days over the past year. I want to find properties that were not managed by professional managers. And you can go in now, run that, work the list by occupancy, ADR, revenue, and then and I needed a table, Jamie. I needed a table. I, I don't need. I, I don't want to write everything down myself. I just need a table. I know that's probably that's probably the enterprise product I don't have access to. But no, like, but that, that and that is the functionality for the advanced tier and a table, and you can export the whole thing. Oh, uh, man, All right, what, what, one day, I'll, one day I'll graduate to that level. But no, like, but I think that's so. That's my method, and I think that's what a lot of people kind of variations of that. I think that's the power of everything. You really get a sense of. You can build your own comp set and it's not perfect to be fair, right? There are still listings there that like shouldn't be there. Like they're dead listings or like they're so out of, they're just so out of whack from what you would normally expect. 
I wish the review, I wish there was more granularity and maybe with AI or more software, there's more granularity within how you can sort by reviews. Cause that, that's the biggest work actually is to go and actually see the density of the reviews and how recent they are. If you can get, if, if that's sortable, that actually would be a huge win for the consumer to be able to do that. I anyway, mean, me and a lot of people struggle with that, but it's still the best tool out there. And I think for me personally, I caught my own listings against their data data just to see if I'm if it's right on and out of everyone that I looked at it's actually the most consistent so kudos to to, to you and the data team for everyone there at AirDNA for getting that hard part I, I do want to ask that question though like what I think a lot of people are like how do you guys get the data like how do I trust right I've been doing it for a long time so I trust it because I've it's shown itself to be right but like for someone new coming in how do I trust that you guys are doing the right thing like where do you get your data how do you clean it and how do you make it actionable for people like me yeah and it starts with a lot of scraping so we we collect data off of Airbnb and Verbo right now. We've started collecting data off of booking.com too, but it's not integrated into the data set yet. So we're really scraping three different endpoints on the site. One is status. So is the property available or not on any given night out in the future? We were scraping those statuses every day. So we're looking for changes in the status. So was that property available? When did it go unavailable? And then we take those block of nights that all went unavailable at the same time and then run that through a machine learning algorithm that we've developed to determine whether that was a booked or blocked night. So mm -hmm. if it's a week during the summer with a two week lead time for a property that's got lots of reviews, like our model is going to say, Yes, this was a booking. If it's six months in the winter in Cape Cod, it's going to say that was a block. And those sort of statuses, that sort of accuracy check we have is we also collect the statuses for properties that connect their property through our iCal integrations. So we can see without a doubt whether someone's getting booked or not. And then we're checking those against our model to make sure that our model, like our model is actually doing a good job of discerning whether something's a booked or a blocked night. Actually, now this actually gives me a thought. So is this why you guys bought Uplisting? Is that now you have like more data to go in and like now you can, you, you're, you get better, you get first party data and now you can go and more people connect to your pricing software. You know exactly, you have the first party data now versus scraping. Yeah, that, that was a, and I can tell you our data team is ecstatic to have the 4,000 yeah. properties of Uplisting build additional data checks off and continue to make the data more accurate. That's great. That's great. You guys should just buy, you guys should buy back to my, where my M&A banker hat, you guys just buy key data too and then really build it all out you get all that you get all their good first party data over there that's really cool okay cool got it and then so, sorry go ahead and, it, and the, so that's the status scrapers the others are the property scrapes so all the property attributes of that property so bedroom bathroom lat long property manager just all the things that sort of feed into the filters. And then the third one is the price scrape. So what price are those nights available on any given night out into the future? So when we say something's a booking, we know the price that it is available at, what the cleaning fee is, we uh, amortize that cleaning fee over the length of the reservation, and then any discount. So if there's a month or week long discount that we can apply that and get a, I'm not a perfect view of the revenue earned obviously, but I'm cause I'm a lot of times people People have different prices on Airbnb or Verbo or Booking Direct, but and if it's on Airbnb and Verbo, we're going to take the price that was available there and assume that price for the revenue for that property for that reservation. Because we're looking at the calendars, though, we are tracking all reservations that happen the property, regardless of whether it's a direct booking at that property or through any other channel. As even if someone's calling and making that reservation, because as soon as that reservation's made. It's getting blocked off the calendar on Airbnb. 
and yeah. we're going to model that as a reservation just like any other reservation got it got it yeah like i think you highlight a few points and more just for more of an advanced user like everyone does charge different prices according to otas based on a commission so like my booking.com reservation price is 20 percent higher just because they're commissioned so it's good i don't know but i assume that's factored in somehow some way just given that i, mean, I know you're just starting with booking.com i think most people but they're verbal as well and i'm just saying this too i think this is where a lot of people that use it we're aware of these things so we know that again no estimates perfect you can build a range between high and low and am i going to make my mortgage or my rent on my low and if i hit my high then i'm going to go hang out with jamie in his you can build your range on that way but uh, and, go ahead. And, uh, and I'll, in full transparency there's some things that we just absolutely do not capture like extra people fee like yeah. we know what extra people fees are like they're in our database. We do not know when someone goes and, and needs to collect that charge. Additional pet fees, we do not capture. Uh, pool heating fees. There's all sort of these extra charges that happen that we do not have visibility in. The other difference that we have to call out a lot is we're going to be capturing gross revenue, not what sort of net to the owner. So if there's a 20, 30% property management fee, and you've got to take that into account too of... And the check that you get at the end of the year or every month may be percent less than the number we're tracking because we're tracking what the property manager is getting before they take their fee. That's the absolute most important thing is like just knowing exactly what that number represents. So it is rent, it's room rent, room rate, excuse me, plus cleaning fee, right? That it doesn't include taxes. It doesn't include every the service charge from the OTAs. Right? So folks listening, it's basically what you get in your pocket or what you as the owner are being paid for by the guests that should go in your pocket. And then that's before all the other fees are taken out. But I think for folks to remember, like even Airbnb is a 3% fee that Airbnb takes from that. So your net from that is not going to be a hundred, say hundred thousand dollars. It's going to be 97,000 because the owner has to, the host pays the 3% that's netted out for Airbnb. And then if you have a property manager or anyone else that you're using, just make sure when you're building your models that you're keeping that in account. I can talk forever on this, but I want it for a lot of people are going to be not power users. They're going to be first time. They're just poking on a platform. I think it's actually really cool that you guys have modified the pricing now to make it more accessible. I think it's actually a really good thing opening your top of your funnel. But what are, give, I'm a brand new user. Jamie, what's the best? I'm a brand new user. I got a week off from work. I want to learn how to use this. I want to be like, I want to be good. I want to be good at this. What do you, what's your recommendation? How do I start? Yeah. And one is we've got some training videos on our YouTube site. So watch some of those. And then for a market that you're interested in, I start running through the different tabs on the platform. So on the overview page, we have the occupancy, ADR, RevPAR, revenue sections. And within that, there's five or 10 different charts on each section. And with those, you can go in and look at multiple years of data. So like you can look at, and my favorite one is like the occupancy chart. So I can see monthly occupancy and then I can go back and say, all right, I want to see two or three years of prior year occupancy. And it layers on and I can see it for any given month in that market. Okay, it earned 50% in December, 2023, and that's down from 50% December, 2022 and 57% from December. So I can get a real sense of how the market has evolved over the past few years. We can look at sort of average revenue of those different time periods. We can look at length of stays. We can look at the seasonality of the market. So that's another great view of- Yeah, I love the I love that calendar feature. No, yeah, it's great. View of, you can see over the past 365 days, what days were earning the highest rev par and the lowest rev par. So you can get a real sense of the seasonality of that market. So yeah. 
I'm going through and just getting a It's so hidden though. You guys, it's like all the way down the screen and it's like the second drop down menu. And it's you like, I couldn't find it for when you guys did a refresh. I couldn't, I was like, I was, I th first I thought you guys got rid of it. I was like, oh man, like this sucks. And then I found it eventually. It's, yeah. There's a lot of data going on. I'm sure your UX team is, is trying their best, but it's yeah. all the way hidden in the very bottom there though. Yeah, no, and we're playing with different ways to make charts different and discoverable, more discoverable than they were. But we really felt that we just had to rip off the bandaid on the relaunch of get it out there, get people using it, get feedback. And as you may have seen, we've been iterating and constantly on the feedback that we've been getting and making changes and, and getting stuff back in that maybe have been removed or that just need more time to redevelop. So there's a lot of additions happening. And then the other tabs of going through the listing sort. So do some fun sorts, like you can filter to unique listings. So find the tree houses and yurts and like fun listings in your market, sort by revenue, what are the highest earning yurts? And then, and because the platform works globally, like I'm with the 15 or $20 a month, dollar a month subscription, you get access not only to the US, but any market around the world. Yeah. And you can do these same sort of filters. And then we just released in October, we now have for sale data. So you can see every property available for sale in the US and what it could earn as a short-term rental. And we've got lots of filters around that. So you can set your buy box and find properties that meet your sort of investment criteria. Yeah. And then we've launched a whole bunch of new host tools too, pushing in heavy on revenue management in 2024. Yeah. So we've got our smart rates functionality where you can find how we are pricing your unit on a given night. We've got forward pacing. You can see how your market's booked down to the future. And then and it doesn't even scratch the surface of what's going to be coming with the uplisting app, um, acquisition. So we just announced a couple of weeks ago that we had acquired uplisting, which is really a premier property management service software. And so we're going to have multi-channel connectivity, unified inboxes, a unified calendar, all this stuff to really help you manage uh, your listing effectively. Now, you, you guys, have, I think uh, after the Alpine acquisition or investment, it's, I've seen a lot of really good changes on your guys' side and building out, yeah, building the revenue manager product. Although smart rates, I thought I was thinking about Airbnb. Candidly, not the best connotation because it was always like way too low. But anyways, I used stuff for listing in 2018. So like long, a long time user of that platform. So I'm really excited to see more of what you guys do. Like Airbnb has been a huge help in my journey. And I really appreciate you coming on today, sharing your insights. And as the platform continues to evolve, I, I look forward to our next conversation, uh, a lot more questions. And we'll see uh, how the predictions, how that 1.9% rep far, how did, we'll look back in 25 and see how, if we hit the if we hit the 2% rep far growth. I'm hoping it does. What's the best way? As we went down, like what's the best way for people to to get a hold of you to find your best content? Yeah, so I'm two call outs on the research that we do for you. One is our blog, and I would suggest that everyone just goes in and keeps. And once a month, we put out our U.S. review free report where you can get a sense of what's happening overall in the U.S. short-term rental industry. We I have a podcast, STR Data Lab, where we overview, do interviews, run through. Uh, performance. And then I'm active on both Twitter, Jamie underscore Lane and on LinkedIn. And feel free to add me. I answer all my DMs. So shoot me the message and happy to answer any questions. For folks, I just, Jamie's not paying me to say this. If he really is like one of the ads that you have to, if you're on uh, Twitter or X, it's definitely, if you want to learn about short-term rentals, he's definitely one of the guys to add on there. Jamie, and, and I'll drop Jamie's Twitter handle on the show notes here. Click on that and uh, repeat the content. Jamie, thanks so much for spending time with me today. Uh, really enjoyed this conversation. I learned a lot. And look forward to having you on again soon. Thanks for having me, Michael.